0: Welcome to the Something Wicked podcast, and tonight's episode is snow-based films. Yeah. Now, the reason we're doing this is obviously because of the current weather conditions, and uh, I'm currently sat here dressed like Ranulph Fiennes. I've got my beers with me that have not even needed to be in the fridge today. The heating's just gone off, which is uh, very apt for us to get on with the pod, Dave. How is it your end?
1: Well, I have to say, I'm sat in the back room of our house. The heating is off. I might as well be in the kennel with the dogs from The Thing. It's that (laughs) fucking cold. But I thought, it's great, the appropriate atmosphere to be doing the podcast tonight about snow-based films.
0: Yeah. All we need is the uh, condensation pipes on our boilers to (laughs) freeze. Indeed. Uh, Which they always do. It's always, uh, you know, I've always marveled at what a design fault that is that every yeah, single boiler did. in Britain fucking claps out because the condensation pipe is frozen like uh, yeah. it's minus whatever.
1: As I look out of our patio doors though Lee here and I'm looking at the snow on our decking I can actually see the condensation on my breath so that's pretty cinematic.
0: <laughs> so the other snow based film that sprung to mind was um, The Shining which
1: or oh, without doubt,
0: you know, does it start off snow based? I don't think it does, does it? When he gets there, I don't think it's no, snowing.
1: It's not entirely, but the the bulk of the film is is all about that isolation in the snow. Yeah, and I think that is a real great key thing with snow movies, being the kind of isolation of the snow.
0: I mean, kind obviously, of, most of that film is set interior, isn't it? It's inside hotels. Exactly. So there's not many exterior shots until the end.
1: Oh yeah, but when it when it happens, that's fantastic. Yeah, and it's and it is. Well, also, you've got the um, you've got Scatman Crothers coming to get them through the snow, coming to try that's and save right, yeah. the day through the snow, through the blizzard. You know, yeah. so you've got this real feeling of uh, bleakness and mm. desperation. You know.
0: Yeah, well, have you read the book, The Shining? I haven't. No, I mean, obviously, famously, Stephen King hates the film version, and yeah. uh, I think he's warmed to it a bit over the years. I think, he, and and you know, initially, he was really quite insulted by Kubrick's adaptation. And I think also Stephen King wrote a script, didn't he, which Kubrick didn't even read, apparently, because he just he just wanted the germ of the idea. Yeah. And then he makes his own film of it. And um, But I forgot this, actually, because I have been thinking of rereading The Shining. I read it a couple of decades ago. But uh, Halloran actually survives in the book, whereas obviously he's, he's on the end of Jack's axe, isn't he, in, yeah. in the film. And, you know, it's quite interesting, the differences to the book. I mean, there are numerous ones. But one, one is the fact that there's no maze in the book, which is... Yeah. A brilliant part of the film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant device for the film, isn't it? The maze. Yeah. It really makes that ending because it's all about the um the hedgerows turning into sort of animals, isn't
0: That's it? That's right. Yeah. In the book, it's full it's of the opiery opiery life. animals, which yeah, I yeah. Always thought was a bit shit. I couldn't really yeah get my head around that. Uh, Not a fan of that. Didn't idea. sound that scary, to be honest, when I was reading it. No. You know, like a hedge coming to life. But yes, so Kubrick didn't bother with all that, but he did. I think that did lead him onto to this idea of putting the maze in there.
1: I think the great thing, and maybe it was a part of why Kubrick wanted to do it, you know, if you've got like snow in your film and blizzards and that kind of it's very cinematic, isn't it? Yeah. That whole feel and, and that maze scene in the snow is so cinematic and it works so well. And, you know, you see all the condensation on the breath and everything fantastic it's brilliant how that will captivate an audience i've always loved that i've always loved the idea of being sat like with uh, by a warm fire in a warm (laughs) room watching a cold bleak film where Mm -hmm. people are trapped in the snow well the
0: snow also helps um wendy and danny escape doesn't it because it's yes it sort of forms this slope yes because there's so much of it and it yeah. covers the hotel and it, it forms this slope sort yeah. of up to the bathroom window where they are and they manage to yeah. get out of there and slide like down.
1: Yeah, that's it, they they can yeah. slide down.
0: But well, yeah. I love the, you know, the part of the May scene that I love is obviously it's where Jack dies. Yeah. Now, you would imagine when you're watching the film that if he is going to die, it would be like quite a dramatic death. But Kubrick, again, you know, he, he does some completely... Yeah different
1: absolutely
0: and i think it just cuts from jack looking for danny and then it's daylight and he's dead he's frozen to death because he's got stuck in the maze
1: and it's brilliant that's that shot of him just like mummified in the ice it's absolutely brilliant (laughs) well
0: i i read actually and i don't know if this is true because i've not seen it for ages is you know the ending of the thing yeah didn't this might have been in a A draft that was abandoned because there was so much, wasn't there? Did the ending have Kurt Russell and Keith David character just freezing themselves to death deliberately so they didn't spread the?
1: Yeah, I think that was
0: the infection.
1: Yeah, and I think ultimately that is the idea of what's going to happen because neither of them, and there was another, there there was a classical kind of urban myth about it, but when you watch the film, you realise this urban myth is bullshit. Is that it was always like, well, Keith David is the um, the thing because he you can't see the condensation on his breath. But w- the last time I watched it, I was looking at it going, yeah, you can, you can see the condensation <laughs> on his breath. Yeah. So <laughs> is know? that
0: the ending then that they just I, think, I can't picture the ending now. It's
1: just like a standoff with the two of them saying, oh, "We'll see what's going on then. Or we'll we'll sit it out and, and you know just accepting their fate, aren't they? Why
0: do they both suspect each other's the thing? Yeah. So so there's
1: no trust, there's there's a kind of mutual respect, disrespect, mistrust between them. It's quite sad, really. It's a bleak ending. And and I think the big story with The Thing was that E.T. had come out and it was all like friendly aliens. I mean, you know, ET is a beautiful film, you know, and obviously Spielberg had made like this was his second film about sort of benign alien encounters on Earth. Yeah. Whereas the thing was the complete polar opposite. Sorry, unintentional pun there. Polar opposite, um, <laughs> and and um, it was this kind of really bleak, harsh, and incredibly graphic. You know, yeah, film and everything about it, right from the the almost monotone music and the bleakness of the of, of the freezing cold snow, and then the men all just trapped together in the. Uh, the research centre. It's such a great setting for. A, it's such a brilliant idea for a film. Yeah. You know, of well, course it's a remake, of course, isn't it? Howard Hawks is the thing. And
0: well, I think it started off like that, didn't it? But there was a feeling from Carpenter that there wasn't much action in it in the the original, and yeah, he, yeah. he wanted to make it more action focused. And yeah, he did go through a fair few writers, didn't he? And I think he even offered Nigel Neal. The opportunity.
1: Oh, he did. That's right.
0: But I don't know if he did a script or he just turned him down. Um, but he s- he was... settled on Bill Lancaster. And That's right. Apparently, the the scene in his script that really convinced Carpenter to let him do it was uh, the the blood testing scene. Yes, which really, is really dramatic.
1: It's a brilliant, brilliant
0: scene, scene, isn't it? Yeah, where they're trying yeah. to find, they're testing everybody's blood, and they're trying to because they're trying to find out who is the thing or what who has been infected by the thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's
0: amazing scene, that
1: it's an amazing scene, and all that element of the film. What I love about the thing so much, and it's it's a film you can all, you can just go back to so many times because it has all these different elements to it, doesn't it? And it, it's the fact that it one it's a it's a science fiction an alien film. All that uh, finding the spaceship and finding this the strange morphised carcass in the in the ice, mm-hmm. you know, which is all very confusing, uh, is very compelling. And then, of course, you've got all the sort of Rob Boteen special effects, which are unbelievable and
0: truly believable. They are jaw-dropping, aren't they?
1: Jaw-dropping. Brilliant. So any listeners haven't seen the thing, I doubt there's going to be many but. Uh, or if you haven't seen it for a few years go back to it because it stands up it really stands up so well my lad watched it with me last halloween and he thought it was brilliant he was he was really impressed with the special effects because yeah. they do, they work so well yeah. 40 years on they still work really well and there's no CGI whatsoever there no Not a chance
0: i saw this uh, this deleted scene that was done in stop motion you know like harry house and Ray Harryhausen method and it just yeah. didn't work at all. It was no. just really bad, you know, compared to the things that Botton and uh, Stan Winston. Yeah. Made uh, apparently yeah, yeah. Rob Botton had a nervous breakdown, didn't he? On the yeah, set. well, I think he had to bring in Stan Winston because he was just is his
1: Is Botton his name? Because I've always heard it as Botine. Anyway. It might
0: be Dave. I don't know. But either
1: way, I totally know what you're talking about there because I think he worked. According to Carpenter, he worked fucking day and night. He was a young guy at the time and he was out to prove himself to me. He just he was relentless and you can sort of see it, can't you? Because there's so much going on in that film. So.
0: And he was the guy uh, that convinced Carpenter to show more of the thing because Carpenter wanted it to be a bit more shadowy, a bit like Alien. Alien. he
1: wanted Yeah. Where you wouldn't
0: see the creature.
1: And uh, maybe if he, he had, had
0: but Botton said, No, look, I can make these amazing things. And yeah, yeah. probably that's so he's he's he was a victim of his own success, really, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's an argument to be had that if Carpenter had done it that way, it might initially have been more successful, you know. Because I yeah. think that kind of suspense element, having been used to something like Jaws and having been used to something like Alien, might have been more palatable to the the movie going audience at the time, but I don't know if it has stood the test of time like the thing has done, because it comes at you from so many different angles with these remarkable special effects and then the who-done-it narrative as mm. well, which is brilliant. And in a way, it's like an Agatha Christie, isn't it? And I, I was actually um, segueing slightly here. I was going to mention a, a great snowbound Agatha Christie, which was Murder on the Orange Express. So, again, they're on the train, the train gets caught in all the snow, doesn't it, for hours on end. And that's when Poirot goes to force with all the passengers on the train and solves the murder, you know. Yeah. And, and again, you know, Sidney Lumet, brilliant filmmaker that he is, made a brilliant version of that in 1974, I believe it was, with Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. I was obsessed with it as a kid, I used to get dressed up as Hercule Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> I know who the murderer is in a slightly sort of Belgium Salford accent. But <laughs> well, that was all based around trapped in the snow. So there's there's that great cinematic device with snow, isn't there? Being mm. trapped and having to resolve a situation because you're trapped in the snow. And in a way, all three of these films that were, you know, Murder on the Orient Express, The Thing, The Shining, they couldn't be more different, could they? But actually. That's what happens. The snow is a device to solve the problem. You know what I mean? Mm. You have to face the problem. You can't escape the snow, so you have to face the dilemma full on and try and solve it for yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, the snow, in a way, is the enemy, isn't it? It's it's certainly keeping Wendy and Danny
1: and Jack
0: in isolation. Yeah. Because she's trying to... Once you realize Jack's gone fucking nuts, she's trying to get out, sure, isn't she? But she can't because the snow's stopping yeah. you know, and when, anybody getting there,
1: absolutely. And when Agatha Christie wrote Murder on the Honor Express, she had it so that Poirot could solve the mystery while the train was trapped in the snow, and then he had a, a way of being able to resolve the whole situation there and then. So it's got, and it's a lovely little twist, of course. With, uh, I mean, it as well, yeah. If you haven't seen, Moon, I haven't seen it Express.
0: for ages, Dave.
1: Um, I won't. I will keep so that
0: to yourself if you don't mind.
1: Uh, do you know what, pal? Watch it because it's a great, great twist, and it's it's a very kind of lovely kind of ending, I think. And watch the Lamette one because it's class. You know what yeah. I mean? Anything Lamet did was class. You yeah, know? yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Moving on to a different genre of snow-based films, one that does spring to mind is uh, the brilliant documentary Touching the Void. Oh, yeah. Wow, man. This features a climber called Joe Simpson and uh, his mate. that They climb this mountain in, is it Peru? I can't remember where it is now, but um, Simpson falls. They're attached to each other, aren't they? And Simpson falls over this ledge and his mate thinks, oh, he's dead. And his mate's getting dragged off the mountain, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he takes the decision to cut the rope. Yeah, because
1: he's gone down a crevasse, hasn't he? He's gone yeah. down like a crevasse in the, in, 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 yeah, in
0: the ice. And Simpson ends up stuck in this. Is it a crevasse where there's like a? It's almost like a narrow pit or whatever. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, so, so he's down.
0: stuck in it. He's broke his leg badly. It's
1: incredible, isn't it?
0: And he has to try and get out of this crevasse. Which seems it's an impossible, impossible task.
1: Impossible.
0: But through sheer willpower and a refusal to die, he manages it. But that's just the start of it, isn't it? Just getting out of there. He's still got a long way to to go before he gets uh, down the mountain oh. and to safety. But it's a it's a brilliantly made film, isn't it? I think it did it win an Oscar for the best yeah. documentary or something.
1: Well, it was one of those. It was one of the first. I think really great docudramas really, wasn't it? Yeah. It was sort of acted out, but then you had the pieces to camera from the real events, didn't it? It was so well done. It was brilliantly done. And the story is so remarkable, isn't it? Of of the of a you know, a human feat of human nature to be able mm. to pull yourself through that atrocity, you know. I mean, literally how how you survive that is a is a miracle. Yeah. But a miracle of his own making.
0: It's, it's a gripping tale. The, the, you know, the way it's told in the film is so good. Like you say, it's piece to camera. And then they'll do like a dramatisation, a reenactment of that particular part of the story. And, uh, you know, he manages to get to the bottom of the mountain, but then he has to find his the camp, doesn't he?
1: That's still, yeah.
0: Which is another few oh. miles away. And he's crawling... Over these rocks, in know, agony, which is just causing him absolute agony. And I think, I think he's close to death and completely exhausted. So all he can do is just, is just shout for help. And his mate and this other guy that was at the camp with him, they were about to go, weren't they?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. They're on the way.
0: And they found him in the middle of the night. So. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. That,
0: that was. Uh, amazing it
1: was sort of so touch and go oh god i must watch it again because it's been a few years since i've seen it but i remember i remember watching it thinking oh, i'm not sure this is my kind of thing you know yeah but then it, what,
0: you're so gripped by it aren't I'm you so
1: gripped totally gripped yeah. by it and any, any listeners if you haven't seen it truly recommend that it is such a good film don't be put off if you're similar to me with something like, i'm not always the keenest person think, oh, it's a film about climbing mountains or, you know, Scott of the Antarctic kind of behaviour. But usually, actually, when I watch films like that, they, they tend to be pretty good. That is an ex- exceptional film, though.
0: Yeah, Just it was it come out in 2003 and it was sort of led to this quite golden age of documentaries, didn't it? That you, yes. That you could maybe go and see the cinema, like Capturing the Freedmen's.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Things Probably like that.
1: documentaries, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was it was a good few, wasn't there? There's another film, not dissimilar, and this is a purely dramatic film like Touching the Void, you know, but in 2015, they, they did the film Everest. I don't know if you've seen that with Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: I, I know of it. I've never Jason watched it. Jason
1: Clark, Josh Brolin. Yeah. It is honestly the it is because I thought, oh, it's going to be a bit of a a bit of a yawn fest for me, this hmm. not at all. It's a, a it's a cracking. It's a cracking film to be fair yeah. and it really is it's kind of warning about climbing everest really you know <laughs> these people who go on these kind of everest adventures to get to the peak you know it's a big desire to do it in their lifetime you know these, these so they spend a lot of money doing it and the pitfalls of it you know how things can go wrong and it's a it's a real tragedy drama you know because it's you know there's some pretty harrowing moments it's a it's again it's a great film it's um that reminds you know, me of uh alive well oh, it's good you should come to that because of course there's a new film called society of snow isn't there on on uh Netflix. yes and it's yeah. basically alive isn't it it's a retelling of that same yeah. story about the was it the uruguayan or argentinian
0: yeah uruguayan r- rugby team in rugby 1970s. team
1: that's yeah. right and i said that's, a, that's a, oh my god I always thought
0: that that film was so, you know, it was well made, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It, it did have a bit of a TV movie look about it yeah. in some ways, but it's, it is a really good film. I mean, there's not, it's not told as you would imagine it to be told. It's not. It doesn't over dramatize it. I don't think. You know. No, it's I agree with that. It's not you. like it loads of suspense or anything. It's just no. telling the no. story about what happened and.
1: I thought it was great when I saw it in the picture yeah. and I thought the, the whole sort of plane crashes harrowing and but as soon as I saw the trailer on the Netflix I you, I thought hang on a minute I've seen this this is alive I've seen this mm. before now you know
0: Society in the Snow it's called
1: yeah Society in the <laughs> Snow a bit
0: of a shit title I it? know
1: it's a horrible story about having to having to be a cannibal to survive do you and... think
0: you could do that Dave?
1: I wouldn't really want... It does, to... it,
0: does, it does throw the question at you, doesn't it? If you were in that position, would you do it?
1: I reckon you got lovely legs, Lee, but I wouldn't really want to be eating into your
0: but thigh. The, the thing that amazed me is that the first <laughs> bit of meat... <laughs> Thank you, Dave. The first <laughs> bit of meat that they ate was somebody's arse. <laughs> you know what I mean? You wouldn't go near the arse, I'm sorry. You wouldn't
1: really, would you? You can't, it's Yeah, I wouldn't be keen... And there. I
0: remember them like... When a couple of them had to sort of try and find the way over the mountains to get help, because they knew that nobody knew they were there, and you know they had to make the effort to find help. That it was that bit where they're like putting loads of bits of food and entrails into socks, (laughs) you know, to say like like a
1: pat lunch.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's a bit sick.
1: Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, I'd have gone for certainly in that scenario. You'd go for a bit of shoulder, wouldn't you?
0: I'd go for an ear, I think. Well,
1: there's no meat on an ear, mate, though, isn't no, it? That's, that's much, a good point. Not much
0: to you but
1: ear, I that. Yeah. ear could be, Well dunno ear, ear could be good for like a bit of chewing gum. It could be like a bit of...
0: Yeah, it's got a, quite a fat lobe on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could, you could have a good old chew on it for a while. I'd go for a bit of thigh. Or a bit like yeah. you would with a a bit like you would with a cow. or a a sheep a bit of thigh
0: a bit of shoulder maybe a breast
1: maybe a breast yes and those rugby lads big strong chest I wasn't thinking of
0: a a male breast there was a was there some women in that plane I don't know if there was was there I don't know a male breast it'd be all that's all
1: muscle in it it'd be lovely oh yeah there there
0: was there was some women on the plane because there was that really moany one wasn't it that was trapped and she kept screaming for help and moaning and they lost the rag with her Telling that to shut the fuck up.
1: The thing is, mate, if it's alive, if it's the, the the person's alive, then when it comes to sort of chewing on a breast, I'd go mm. for the woman. But if it's yeah. if they're dead and I'm eating it, I'd probably go for the fella. Especially if it's a rugby player. Because it'd be nice choice meat, wouldn't it? The breast. <laughs> Whereas if, if the woman's, you know, a little bit saggy, God, that'll yeah. be all fat and chewy and you know whereas the rugby lads he have a, ooh, a lovely bit of lovely bit of breast meat there lovely and lean and tender
0: they did manage to make the cannibalism sort of quite classy didn't they they didn't yeah. they didn't show them like feasting no you know on an arm you know like ripping the flesh off with gusto no. tearing it off with the teeth you know they were quite it was quite um, dignified i
1: think yeah I don't know whether this one would be. I have not seen. My wife's seen it. She said it's really good. Is it a film it was...
0: or a series or a? a
1: film well, again. Oh. It's a. It's mm. a film. Ah. Okay. It's, again, you know, for me, it's like, why does Hollywood or Netflix, whoever, feel the need to regurgitate something that was made maybe only twenty years ago, whatever it was. You know.
0: It's ninety-three, really... actually, Dave. Yeah. Well, God, it's
1: okay. Okay, maybe. Is that yeah. thirty years ago? That's quite like thirty years ago. But, you know, it's kind of like, I noticed the other day, it's all like, oh, True Lies. Oh, that's quite a good Arnie film. It's mm-hmm. a good fucking remake of it. What's the point of remaking that? The yeah. first one was, that was good, it was great. I loved a bit of True Lies, good yarn. Why remake? It's just, there's no imagination, is there? Fucking oh. hell. And yet, this year has been pretty good for films, so maybe I shouldn't com- complain too much.
0: Already? Once-
1: well, 2023, I mean, sorry,
0: ah, yeah.
1: Sorry, yeah. Really do apologise. We're in 2024 now, of course, but I mean, the last year that we've just gone through has had some good film. Dream Scenario, Nick Case, thought that was that was very good. Get a chance to see that.
0: I Any mean. snow in that one? No,
1: I'm, dying to, I'm I'm going off on a tangent there because there's no snow in it whatsoever what from is what I is can it? remember. Maybe there's a tiny bit of snow in it somewhere, but it's not a snow-based film. What other
0: so snow-based film springs to mind then?
1: Well, can I just say a little segue here, because it's highly rated because I was going through the list of the IMDb list of snow based films and this its brilliant. There's loads and loads of ideas in there. But it was the it was the book, the classic Jack London book when I read read it that really got to me about the snow. And that's uh, White Fang
0: by Mm. Jack London.
1: And that first chapter where the wolves are gathered round waiting waiting for the 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 hunters to get weak in their tents knowing that they're struggling struggling for food and struggling for energy and the 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 wolves are out there could just see their eyes in the distance
0: yeah i've I've never read it but that scene seems familiar it must be just
1: read the first chapter of white fang it's brilliant it is really captivating but i i probably have seen a version of white fang The Ethan Hawke one is supposed to be very good. Yeah, but that's uh, that's another story that really rings true to me as being very, uh, very authentically snow based. And a recent film that's been very popular that has absolutely been based around the snow. And it's a it's a kind of Armageddon, apocalypto kind of film, which is Snowpiercer.
0: I because, thought you were going to say the day after tomorrow then.
1: Oh, well, I was going to come to that in a bit as well. I've
0: never actually watched. It's always bloody on Sundays on Channel 5.
1: It's a ripping yarn. Mm. It's the day after tomorrow. And it was written, actually, I think, or the book was originally written by, do you remember Art Bell, who used to do Coast to Coast in America? I, mean, I I've spoken about him before because he, he does lots of esoteric kind of stuff, loads of kind of UFOs and ghosts and Sasquatch kind of stuff. And he no. wrote that, I think I'm right in saying he wrote that with Whitney Stryber. Oh, yeah. Who, of course, is Mr. Communion, who we yes. spoke about at Christmas, Scarf yeah. Live. Which is making
0: me think of the amazing new Saxon song.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> and my God. The in Roswell. <laughs> Thank you for sending that, Lee. I love that song. Yeah, that good, was isn't it? it's good, brilliant. It's hilarious that.
0: video.
1: Don't, don't, if we go down this avenue, I'll start also talking about the, the uh, octopus UFO that's been released. Have you seen it? No. Go, uh, get, so go on YouTube, type in Optimus UFO and see what you think.
0: I will. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, I just love this, this day and age of, of of ufology. There's so much going on. Fantastic. But yeah, but, um, but, um,
0: Snowpiercer, you were saying. I've, never seen. I've,
1: only, I've only seen bits of it and we want to watch it. I think <clears> we're going to <throat> sit down as a family to watch it. But it's, the premise is really good. Basically, the world is at this absolutely chronic like the environment is this chronic ice age you know what I mean it's fucked and the only way the last members of humanity can stay alive is being by being on this supersonic train which is kind of self-generating because of the speed on it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's keeping everybody alive and warm and well on the train. And the train, it's like a massive train, you know, but it's it's um, compartmentalised into like the working class survivors, the middle class survivors and the elite. So it's making kind of social comment, you know, obviously as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great premise and it was made by Bong Joon-ho, is it, who did Parasite? Really? So was, yeah, I think it's the film he made before Parasite, directly before Parasite.
0: Yeah, and I remember got, that just being sort of, on netflix or was that like a spin-off series
1: yeah no there was a spin-off series Netflix, oh. netflix. typical netflix in it they'll yeah. jump over anything that they think got a bit of ammunition they did a series of the mist didn't they you know that's it yeah oh talking to the mist out and then we missed another great stephen king film that is very much based in the snow and that of course is misery
0: misery brilliant brilliant misery
1: is a brilliant snow film and again, yeah. that idea of being kind of trapped and isolated, you know. Well, that's how
0: he ends up in it, doesn't it? His car slips, slides off the road. Indeed. They're going Indeed. off on, over some ice and Annie Wilkes rescues him. Oh, it's an amazing book, Misery. I'd say, oh. I know we've done a King pod, haven't we? But Oh,
1: it's great.
0: A brilliant, brilliant book. But
1: well, it, it's brilliant. And, it's, a, and, it's, and it's,
0: a- it's obviously Stephen King's own nightmare.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's a brilliant film, Lee, as well, I have to say. Yeah, it is. It's brilliant it film. Is. quite you know, Rob Reiner. Brilliant. Rob Reiner's a great yeah. filmmaker. He <clears> makes <throat> fantastic films.
0: And I remember he was uh, saying that he was struggling to cast, uh, the, you know, the main role of Paul Sheldon. And he got, like, I think he offered it to William Hurt, who sort of turned his nose up at it, you know, oh, no, I'm not doing that, you know, as if he's too good for it. And uh, Dustin Hoffman was another one.
1: A, it. crazy i, I, I do don't that. know
0: what dustin Hoffman's man's reason was maybe it, it was because it was a stephen king book and, and the, the one that probably never read but rob ryan and, and james khan did an absolutely fantastic job
1: yeah uh, i thought it, jimmy you khan know, was brilliant i think he's yeah. a, i think he's as good as her in it she's got the role that is so kind of it's easy as an actor, I should imagine, to play a role like that that's full of like character and idiosyncrasy and, and everything. It's pure... Well, of- that's
0: what Rob Reiner said about Khan's performance. He says a lot of it is reacting rather reacting. Yeah, exactly. And he said he's just brilliant at it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So I'm just going to give a list here quickly, Lee. Oh, your film Wind River, which I haven't seen. That
0: Based is- on a true... Murder case.
1: Wow, that sounds of really course. good. Yeah,
0: it's having, not bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's not.
1: I'm having a fleeting. Amazing. Movie. That snow based film. And we haven't mentioned, of course, a brilliant film. Well, I think it's a truly brilliant film. Is Let the Right One In. Which yeah, is I've all, never
0: properly watched that, you know.
1: Oh, it's wonderful. It's all based in that snowbound. Is it mm. Sc- Scandinavia? You know, brilliant. The original Scandinavian film. I say Scandinavian. I can't remember. Was it Swedish or not? or norwegian whatever but it's a great film all the same loved it but here here are a few i'm going to rattle off a few quickly because i've just gone on to imdb's 100 best winter and movie films (laughs) the Gray, liam neeson have you seen it i know i've heard of it this film eight below is supposed to be very good i have no idea i've never seen it so Listeners, if you've seen this and it's any good, give us a shout. 7.3 IMDb looks good. The Chronicles of Narnia, not Yeah,
0: exactly,
1: <laughs> fuck off. Hateful Eight, we've mentioned there. North Face, that's another mountainside jobby. Uh, Pathfinder, mentioned that, uh, or oh, he didn't mention it, but I mentioned it, uh, Texted you people Snow Piercer say. Uh, Snowpiercer, as mentioned there. Bong Joon-ho stars Chris Evans, Jamie Bell, Tilda Swinton and Ed Harris. Everest, as I mentioned to you, great film there. And the film we haven't mentioned, but I think, Lee, and I'm going to let you take it away. Brilliant film, in my opinion. The Revenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of The Revenant, Lee?
0: It was really good, brilliantly. That sort of different, wasn't it? Yeah. Brilliant performances from uh, DiCaprio, who won the Oscar, of course, yeah. and uh, Tom Hardy.
1: Both of them brilliant in it.
0: Based on a true story, though, I did think I do think that the I think Hugh Glass's uh, accounts, because he wrote a book, didn't he? It's based on that book that. Yeah. A lot of people think he did embellish
1: it and exaggerate it a bit, but
0: but yeah, yeah, I can't remember who the director is. Actually, can you?
1: Yeah, oh, I forgot his name. Now he's brilliant, though, isn't he? Is, is he? Um... Is he Mexican or South American? Is he's, he's in that sort of group of either Spanish or Mexican filmmakers yeah. and more friends with uh, Guillermo del Toro and what have you. The, yeah. It's not the guy who did gravity, is it? It's his mate. I was thinking
0: on. it was gravity, but no, it, you're right. It's Ali Alejandro.
1: I think
0: it is.
1: In fact, I'm gonna scroll down and find it again and we'll have a look. Here's
0: Alejandro Inartu.
1: You are spot on there. Alejandro G. Inartu.
0: Only because I'm looking it up.
1: <laughs> he is
0: he is uh, a Mexican filmmaker, Dave. Yeah, Well,
1: I was, yeah, yeah I, I was right there. Thank God for that.
0: What else has he done then? He done oh, yeah, beautiful. there's uh,
1: Murder on the Orient Express. He's on the air, like mentioned.
0: He did, yeah. uh, Birdman, the uh, brilliant Michael Keaton film. I love Birdman.
1: Thought it re- well, it I it was really. Won the
0: best liked. Oscar. Yeah, I best thought Picture was... Oscar.
1: Have you seen it?
0: 2014. No, I didn't,
1: though. No. I really liked it. I liked the way it was made and the way it was shot and everything. I just thought it was great. There's The Day After Tomorrow, mate, as mentioned. Yeah. By Ronald Emmerich, the director, and I. It's a role Emmerich, is that's not Ronald? Dennis Quaid, Jake Gillinghall again. I think it's good fun. The Day After Tomorrow, I really like it. Mm-hmm. like cities getting eviscerated by tidal waves. It's <laughs> Um, Stalingrad. Oh yes, good war, Cold War film. I'm leaving out any of these kind of things like the holiday, you know, these sentimental fucking love stories and the snow, pieces of shit. I will, how even though I will, however, even though it is a Christmas film, will mention Bad Santa because that is quite quite a funny film. Yeah. And black National
0: Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I mean, there is obviously <laughs> loads of Christmas films we could mention, but I, I'd <laughs> say one of the best Christmas films. Indeed,
1: that is, a, that is very funny in places. Very funny. I think also from a Christmas point of view. Needs mentioning Black Christmas, possibly the first ever slasher movie pre Halloween. Was it? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This one here. Oh, God, where is it? Because it's my mind's gone blank and there was a film we need to mention. Jesus. Oh, yeah. The 30 Days of Night, of course, Yeah. about vampires in an Alaskan town. Cold, bitter, dark, menacing. Fantastic. You can't beat snow and dark and misery shackleton starring um, kenneth Branner. we all know <laughs> there. they all die they all fucking die
0: another great film is i can't remember what it's called it might just be called scott of the antarctic with john mills
1: indeed it is scott of the antarctic mate and I, do you know something buddy i'm so glad you mentioned it because i might have forgotten that and i was determined to mention that i loved it as a kid yeah you know with james robertson justice as oats brilliant he, was he? i didn't know yeah that. yeah and he goes where, where are you going Oates? I'm, I'm just going out for a stroll i be some time and was then, he course, always he goes was
0: the he home. the guy that was always in the stanley baxter films yeah yeah, he was yeah.
1: and he was always the, in the doctor films he was always the head doctor and he goes what are you doing what are you doing come always here. a doctor wasn't i come here junior doctor come here he was great wasn't
0: he James Robertson <laughs>
1: justice <laughs> ARJ and of course it absolutely needs mentioning is Fargo
0: Fargo yeah.
1: is without doubt an integral snowbound film
0: the TV series I did watch the first very good two that they made I, I, I didn't watch the, first... the one I think it was I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think the first series with Billy Bob Thornton and that was really good. I really liked that. And uh, yeah, and I quite liked I did watch quite a bit of it and I did really quite like it, but then I just, you know, gave up on it. And there's a new um, Jodie Foster one coming out called True Detective. Um, oh, What's the subtitle? We're going to I'm gonna have to look it up. Well, that's. Um... Dark Country, I think it's called again it's all about Alaska you know oh is it uh, days where it's just dark all the time it looks really good night night country true detective night country it is I love that I love that element of the idea that it's snowbound and these murders taking place because I, I I was a sucker for fortitude the first series of fortitude for that oh well.
0: Dave I tried watching that I got bored of it if I'm honest I mean... I,
1: I did after a while I thought the premise is brilliant yeah and then it just drags its fucking feet.
0: I only probably watched three or four, to be honest. But
1: that's why a film invariably is always a better bet with a kind of a murder mystery or serial killer type thing, because you get that sort of beginning, middle and end. Then it's wrapped up quite sort of quickly. There's not enough there in the in the storyline. All of the people getting killed and someone trying to solve the murders to drag it on and on. The only time it worked for me properly, that kind of scenario, was the first series of True Detective, which I thought was brilliant.
0: That was great, yeah. I tried watching the second series. It didn't really grab me, the one with uh, Colin Farrell and and Spawn.
1: I'm probably going to give this Jenny Foster one a go just because, again, it's set in the the snow and ice. I'm going to give it a look at, but I'm going to give it all very quickly if I'm not enjoying it. I'm determined not to. Not to hang on in there with something if it's not working for me.
0: No.
1: You can get caught in a web of a web of tears if you carry on too long with some of these streaming series. And have to mention, and an honorable mention, because to me it is a film, and that is the League of Gentlemen Christmas Special. Because again, it's set in the snow, especially the first story, and of course, the church element of it with Papa. Yeah. And yeah, of yeah. course. League of Gentlemen, absolute pros when it comes to horror. Horror is always the beneficiary of snow and ice. Always.
0: Mm. Yeah, blood looks so much better, doesn't it? On, <laughs> it does on indeed. Snow.
1: And I just think it's, again, that kind of atmospheric. It's the atmosphere, you know, there's something about it that works beautifully. You know? Yeah.
0: Very I cinematic,
1: obviously. Yes, indeed. Indeed, sir. We've covered a fair
0: few there, kid. Right. we have. You know, just going back to The Shining. um, Yeah. You know, there's so much we could say about The Shining. It probably deserves its own pod.
1: I think maybe we should look into that at some point.
0: We should, but I've always found it fascinating, you know, the theories around The Shining, you know, what Kubrick's trying to say, and there's all these hidden meanings within the imagery and some of the scenes. Yeah. Which is captured in the documentary room 237 yes i mean obviously i don't <laughs> think kubrick's you know i don't know if he's done any of what people have said he's, he's trying to do but there are there, there's some really interesting theories though isn't they about he's admitting to faking the moon landings yeah because danny's got the uh, is it a yeah. 11
1: 11 jumper on yeah yeah
0: and uh all this about the indian
1: indians rights yeah 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 because
0: yeah, isn't uh, isn't the overlook apparently built on an indian settlement where yeah massacred yeah that...
1: that's right yeah so it's fascinating now, I i do think that documentary is fascinating mm. because i'm sure that cubic did leave quite a lot of subliminals in there where the you know i think there's other things that uh What's that documentary? I thought was kind of tenuous, but there's definitely stuff in there that he's done deliberately because he's a very interesting character for that. I think, Hubert. And did you know, um, cinematic masterpiece in it? I think everyone, you know.
0: God, let's just hope they don't remake it. Um, oh God. Well, they did sort of remake it, didn't they, with that TV film, which was more to Stephen King's taste because it did sort of follow the story in the book. But did you know Robert De Niro was? Uh, Considered for the part of Jack Torrance. Was he? Yeah. Now, apparently, Jack Nicholson was Kubrick's first choice. Yeah. But he did consider De Niro, but he thought he wasn't psychotic enough. This was after (laughs) watching Taxi Driver. (laughs) And he also considered catching Robin Williams as Jack Torrance. But he thought he was too psychotic after watching oh my Orca God. Minda. Wow. But Stephen King always said that he imagined someone like Martin Sheen playing Jack Torrance, you know, because yeah. he's sort of like an everyman actor.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, he, because obviously Jack Torrance in the book is a lot different to Don yeah. Nicholson's character.
1: And Sheen was he's, good he's a, at playing... He's him. a
0: sort of sympathetic character where yeah. Nicholson's portrayal certainly wasn't
1: no that's right but I mean Martin Sheen's already well he'd already done Badlands where he played a character that...
0: yeah it's interesting that he picked Sheen especially when you consider that I mean it was after obviously I think it was was it a year after the dead zone 1982 or yeah. 83 yeah, yeah where he played a really proper bastard didn't he Greg yeah, yeah. Stilson sure but you do sort he, of imagine Martin Sheen usually playing nice characters, don't you?
1: Yeah, but he, he, in the beginning of Apocalypse Now, for example, he's really on the fucking edge. He's a, he's crazy. You know, he's mm. in that room. And he had a heart attack, didn't he? He nearly died. That's right, yeah, yeah. He would really be prepared to take it out there, Martin Sheen. He could have been pretty good, you know. He mm. could have been very good, I reckon. Yeah, very interesting.
0: And Jack Nicholson as well that brilliant scene where Wendy interrupts him and he's writing and he goes mental at her, you know, cause she's spoiling his concentration. Mm. And he said, he says he did that. It was based on him. He was having a bad time with his wife and they were, I think they were on the verge of getting a divorce. And he was like, he was working as an actor in the day and he was working on this script at night. Her presence was just irritating him, you know, even if she was coming in, you know, to give him something or to say good night, and he snapped at her one time. That's how he, how that scene came about. He told Kubrick about it.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. I didn't mm. know that.
0: Yeah, because a lot of the great stuff in The Shining, like the, the here's Johnny bit and all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, they were either inventions of, well, they were mainly inventions of... Uh, Kubrick they weren't in the book at all you know and that's one thing King says he says he loved he said one thing he will say about the film version is he loved that bit where it's discovered that the character is just typing this line over and over again
1: yeah I think as I you know because I've heard him even quite soon after the film on Dick Cavett show been quite complimentary about the film and I think that what he probably feels is he was very polite about it you know
0: I know what you mean, actually. Yeah.
1: But I think what he was getting at in in in, the, in a polite way was basically saying it's a great film, but it's not the book I wrote. Yeah. You know what I mean? I
0: it's think not- initially as well, you know, with those early books, he was quite attached to the material, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he wanted them to be like the book. And yeah. things like Carrie were. But if you're giving it to Kubrick, you know he's going to. his own thing with you and he probably found that quite difficult to accept but over time you know he's realized that it's a completely different medium
1: to be honest with you what Kubrick made was something that was very cinematic he cut a lot i mean like Jaws had a lot cut out of it didn't he you know like all the affair business you know yes with Dreyfus's character and Chief Brody's wife and everything which is thank god that was cut out of it that would have been just dying
0: because you like him immensely, don't you? Um, yeah. Cooper. And I'm trying to think, did he survive in the book? I don't know if he did. I'm not sure. I don't think sure. he did, you know. I think no, maybe not. Spielberg just wanted him to survive because he was such
1: a likeable character. Absolutely. Fascinating. Fascinating yeah. stuff. I'm going to have a couple of quick, very quick, not even going to mention them, really. couple more shout outs. Another Billy Bob Thornton film, all based in the snow. A simple plan. I think that's a great film. Yeah. Into the Wild. Into the Wild's a great film. Sean Penn directed that, I believe. And um, on frozen ground <laughs> with Nick is Cage. That
0: Nick Cage.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, cliffhanger with sliced <laughs> Cliffhanger. So I'm leaving it there. But Brilliant. anyway,
0: um, Dead Snow as well. That's one that springs to mind. Oh. The, the, is it I the Nazi that- zombies?
1: yes and i
0: don't
1: think i've seen that yeah i know that i'll i'll come away and then in half an hour's time as i'm drifting off to sleep something else will pop in my head and i'll go damn we didn't mention that but i've enjoyed our chinwag about snow-based movies mate
0: okay thanks very much listeners we will be back soon
1: and enjoy the snow while it lasts or if if you've got any around you and um hopefully before too long We'll get some nice warmer days, darlings.